AI in Action is brought to you by Aulis International, covering your business's staffing, consulting, and networking needs. Our host brings you the leading minds in AI, sharing their story, their success, and their advice. Focusing on fast-tracking you to the top, AI in Action cuts through the hype to help you kickstart your data science career. To listen to the latest AI in Action podcast, head over to www.aldus.com forward slash podcast, or subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Podcasts. Hello, welcome to the AI in Action podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kelly. Today we're delighted to have on the show, Matthias Haber. He's the head of data at Looping Group. Welcome to the show, Matthias. Thank you for having me. Great. Look, I suppose for our listeners who wouldn't be that familiar with Looping Group, can you tell us a little bit more about, about Looping Group? Sure. So we are a uh, brand publishing house. Uh, with roughly 100 people working uh, across three locations in uh, Berlin, Munich, and Hamburg. We were founded roughly three years ago, and we work for various clients, so mostly for corporations, NGOs, individual people, and also for uh, government organizations. So tell me a little bit about, about your role at Lupin Group, how it started, and you know, what, it's, what it's transitioned into since, since you started working here. I'm the, currently the head of data at Looping Group, and I started as a data scientist in 2018. And back then we were a much smaller company, so about 30 people, and we have grown a lot, especially in terms of the data resources that we now have. So when I started, I was a, one of two data scientists, and now we have a team of eight people. And the other departments have also equally grown. And at the very beginning, our main client, Mercedes-Benz, was basically the, uh, the main focus of our work. and uh, most of the work that we have done was for them, but since then we have, as I mentioned, also expanded towards other clients and have been trying to use the things we have learned with working with Mercedes in terms of how we use data uh, for marketing purposes to also try to apply them to the other clients and see if we can make it somehow scalable and find some sort of like ways that we found work very well for Mercedes. Also try to apply them to uh, problems that some of the other clients have. Cool. And your academic research uh, for seven years comes from generating insights. How relative is that? And how are you able to transfer, transfer those skills coming from academia over to industry? Good question. So I would say I have a very typical background for a data scientist, meaning I don't have a straightforward education in data science, but I basically transition into the discipline from another discipline. So by training, I'm a political scientist. I have a PhD in political science, and I worked on uh, in research for about seven years, as you said, and my main focus was on generating insights from unstructured data. So I was using mostly text data to measure political preferences, particularly of, uh, of elite political actors, such as politicians, party members, etc. And the main goal really was to find an alternative for, for measuring preferences, because Back then, we were very much relying on survey data, which wasn't really available, or data from like voting records from how people, politicians voted in parliament. And the problem was, was that we had a very bad idea of what political preference were really like, and we often didn't have enough data to really be able to say that this person has this preference versus this other person. So we were thinking that one way to, uh, to approach this problem is by using data that politicians generate themselves, mainly through speeches that they give at party meetings or other occasions, and then basically using the words that they utter as sort of like um, 
way to get at their predictive preferences. And so I worked a lot in terms of uh, natural language processing, making use of the text and the data in order to infer uh, basically meaning from it. And when I started here, kind of the very basic approach was very similar. So a lot of the data that we're working with is also unstructured, which is also one of the things that I would say separates us perhaps from other marketing agencies that uh, we are not just heavily based on an empirics, but we particularly try to use unstructured data in order to generate uh, some sort of like meaning that we can then use to uh, optimize marketing strategies. So in this way, it felt quite similar to the work I've done before. And a lot of the things that I was very familiar with, such as the latest advances in, in uh, natural language processing or machine learning, I could also directly apply here just for a different purpose. So no longer talking about political preferences, but now talking about like the preferences of consumers regarding certain products or certain brands. Okay. <clears throat> So that's a, that's a very interesting topic and look, I know we spoke about it, you mentioned a lot of very interesting points and how you can understand what a customer likes, what they don't like, by checking forms online, reading that text, checking that images. Um, can you tell, I suppose, the people who are listening, you know, a little bit more about that and how you use that unstructured data to see what the consumers are actually saying about their brand? Yeah, of course. So one of the key things we're interested in is how consumers perceive brands just very generally. So brands always have a very uh, unique perception of themselves. They have a certain image that they try to communicate, but oftentimes how this image is communicated is not necessarily reflected on in how people actually talk about the brand in various situations. So what we try to do is we try to collect data um, where we find that consumers actually talk about brands. So this could be data from social media, but it also has a lot of data that comes from forums and blogs. And then we take these data and we try to uh, Basically, we try to find the data points where brands are actually being mentioned, and then we try to identify and describe the discussion surrounding those brands from a consumer perspective. So this involves obviously very straightforward things like sentiment analysis, where we simply measure the tonality of the discussion. So the basically how consumers think about a brand, do they think about it positively or negatively? But this goes also beyond that because we also try to identify specific features that they discuss. For example, it could be that they like these features of a certain product more than other features or talk about more heavily, thus perhaps signaling a stronger interest in the features. Another thing we try to do is also to find out specifically if the users, the consumers associate brands with certain topics perhaps more than other brands. So with this, we can also create some sort of like competitive landscape where we can say, for example, the brand A is associated stronger with the topic of, let's say, sustainability than brand B. And with this data, then we can also measure the impact that communication of the brand itself eventually has on this perception from the user's perspective and how perhaps and also this competitive landscape changes over time. So it basically combines the generation of insights from unstructured data with more like traditional data analytics or econometrics where you try to then find a link between the brand's communication and consumer perception. Okay, great. Look, and thanks a million for going, uh, going into such depth on that. <clears throat> a couple of the other topics you mentioned then as well was, I suppose, how you are using supervised and unsupervised uh, deep learning methods uh, around the number of topics um, around NLP. Um, how are you actually applying NLP in a supervised or unsupervised uh, machine learning method now to impact your business? 
So we use NLP for some of the purposes I already talked about, so mainly sentiment analysis, identifying uh, positions of speech, so specific uh, objects that we mentioned in text, uh, also identifying kind of the targets of the communication. And when we want to identify specific features, what we currently do is we create our own training data set, so often also a dictionary of features, and then try to simply identify the features in the data, and then use that information in order to train models that would then help us to automate this process further. We uh, have also used uh, more unsupervised uh, techniques in order to identify uh, things like topics in the data. So using topic modeling, for example, to automatically cluster the data into certain topics that we would then assign labels at a later stage in order to identify what the topics are all about. In terms of deep learning, what we have used so far is we've, uh, when working with images, we've tried to identify the objects that especially users post in their images and also try to infer the, um, the emotional response perhaps to a brand or a product from the image. So there are current advances in, in, uh, in deep learning methods that allow us to really, with a fairly high degree of accuracy, to detect objects in images. So we've been using that in order to kind of further uh, enhance our insights that we generate from user-generated data in order to find out also not just what they write about in, in the comments that they produce, but also what kind of objects they post in images and what kind of emotional response they have, for example, to certain brand communication. So deep learning has been very helpful in this regard because we can rely on existing models in order to analyze our data and it kind of allows us to, to move forward very quickly and doesn't require necessarily to first build our own models or to create very large training data sets. Okay, great. And so this is all really good aspects for a company for really helping them, you know, improve and boost their brand. You're getting a lot of really good information for them to use. But for the, the user of these forms, such as me, it's like, how, is, how does Looping Group help me? That's a very good question. I mean, that probably hits at the very core of marketing. So let's say a, a way that we think about it is that we want to help our clients or brands produce messages that really interest users. So when you see an advertisement, but you don't think of it as like, this is annoying, I wanna skip it, but perhaps this is like actually uh, information that has value to me because it basically is about a certain product that I'm actually interested in, or it helps them decide in, in whether or not to buy and uh, use this product. So if this situation exists that you no longer consider advertisement as annoying but as information, then I think for us would be basically we've been successful in enabling our brands to, to provide such information. And in order for this to happen, obviously we need to have a fairly good understanding about your preferences. So you need to be able to, to know to, to some degree of certainty what you're interested in, what are your needs, what are your, what are your uh, uh, desires, so to say. And we try to then optimize the communication for our brands to basically be able to cater towards those needs. So for you as a consumer, I would say more generally, data has the advantage to give you more specific communication that might be closer to your actual interest and avoid giving you advertisement that, that you might simply find annoying because it doesn't necessarily relate to anything that you want. And from Looping's perspective, specifically what we do is we, we take this information out of unstructured data because we have this very strong belief that unstructured data is one of the most underutilized resources right now, but at the same time it's one of the strongest growing uh, resources that companies have available. So there are estimates that roughly 80% of all of the data that companies have access to 
right now is in unstructured form and this amount is expected to grow by roughly 15 uh, times as much over the next couple of years so it's become it's going to become even more and more important and at the same time there are current technologies that allow us to actually infer insights from those data so making it very interesting to tap into this resource and generate insights that can help us optimize communication okay cool another topic as well that we mentioned on you mentioned you have a sort of supervised unsupervised deep learning methods with content-based recommendation systems. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. This is, relates to what we've just been talking about. So how can we design content that really relates to your preferences? And how can we also optimize content in order to, when we think about the, the return of investment of how much we spent in, uh, in producing the communication, how can we optimize this in a, in a way that we uh, create, for example, very high engagement? with relatively low investment. So we look at those three things. So the one aspect is more like business intelligence, simply measuring kind of the, uh, the success of communication and then contrasting this to the amounts of uh, resources spent on creating it. And the other is more like designing content with having the consumer preferences in mind. So using the insights that we generate from our analysis and using this to, to, uh, to construct uh, communication that would specifically cater towards your needs. And to give you an example, so at the very beginning I talked about uh, the 100 people working at Looping and our data team is basically just a small part of this company and the other teams that, 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 uh, that Looping uh, consists of are strategists, editorial uh, uh, editors and creative people. So what we do is not we not only communicate directly with our clients, but we also infer the ones that basically create the narratives and the stories here at Looping with analytics and with insights in order to enable them to better understand their audience, but also to be better able to create content. So we can really use this to, to create better communication and then kind of knowing where people and where our consumers are present, so on which platforms we can use this information then to also specifically target them and, and, and send them the communication to where we really know they uh, kind of the discussion takes place. Okay, would this be like the use case we discussed, like the, the measure of the communication performance? Is this particular, picking a particular social media platform for the right type of people, so like designers around Pinterest? Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, so. Oftentimes nowadays, I wouldn't say it's a very unique approach to, to, to measure the success of communication. I mean, that's probably at the very core of marketing and that's something that almost every, let's say, uh, modern uh, marketing agency or brand already does. So they measure how much success did our uh, communication have on, for example, Pinterest or other social media platforms. But we try to go a bit beyond that. So we not only look at the, 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 the main KPIs for a brand, but we also try to look at this at the, uh, by looking at the, the full customer journey. For example, certain communication might be very effective at certain stages of this journey. For example, at the very beginning where people might simply be, um, want to get some sort of like basic information about the brand, so they're in this awareness phase. And this could be very different from the type of information that they require towards the end of the customer journey where they actually have already purchased a product or uh, considering to repurchase a product. So what we try to do is to find different KPIs along this customer journey and then try to optimize communication along uh, those KPIs uh, to be really able to, to provide the right kind of content for the right point in time uh, along this customer journey. Okay. And then, so you also mentioned you use a lot of uh, time series forecasting. How does, how does that work with Looping? Mm -hmm. 
So we want to know what kind of topics are trending in the future in order to be able to tell our clients perhaps where to focus their communication on. So what we do is we take the data that we, that we collect, for example, from forums or from social media sites, identify the discussion surrounding topics, look into the past to see how this discussion has developed in the last couple of years, and then use this as a heuristic in order to extrapolate into the future and be able to say how the discussions around those topics will develop in the next couple of years. We also look into the kind of topics that people search for on platforms like Google, and then also use the historical data in order to build a time series model to say, based on the data we have, what will be the topics that people will search for in the next few years, and thereby perhaps also be interested in in the next couple of years. So that's very typical time series analysis where we look at like the seasonality of the data and then try to remove this in order to see if there's some sort of like linear effect into the future and take this information then to build strategies surrounding it, work directly to our clients what to focus on. Okay, and then we're kind of going to use some time series analysis on uh, the marketing domain and how data is going to affect it. Uh, well, in your opinion, how is data, data science, analytics, how is that going to change either what Loop and Group are doing or how the whole market is currently doing? It's a very interesting question. I was talking about it earlier when I said that roughly 80% of the data that brands or that we have available marketing is unstructured. So I would say a big change in the next couple of years is going to be new methods being developed in order to make use of the data and the incorporation of that data into larger marketing strategies. Obviously, a lot of the current trends that we see is in terms of marketing automation. That means basically brands being able to automatically send communication to the right people and the information behind is where, uh, they, where brands know who to target basically comes from data science and comes from analytics of, of, of large data and, uh, and large discussions, for example. So we're going to see a lot more development in, in, in this respect. But then obviously the, the other big thing that's currently happening is because this becomes so technical and complex, a lot of big brands are actually now trying to insource their, uh, their marketing operations, but also trying to insource the, the knowledge and the expertise. So what we also try to support clients with is to actually build the, up their own competence so that they are no longer so much relying on the support of, of agencies. And the way we do this is basically to both educate them on what is possible, but to also help them set up the infrastructure and eventually, eventually try to help them find the right people to continue to work with. So I would say those three things, the, the use of the increased use of unstructured data, the, uh, the, the more automation of marketing activities and the, the insourcing of information so that brands can actually do a lot of the things themselves are going to be the trends for, for the next couple of years. Great. And look, I suppose it's the one thing that, that you're particularly excited about might be relevant to your industry or not. But that you're excited about coming out of academia or industry or that you feel is going to make a big play on the data science landscape? Mm -hmm. So I probably started with the, the same problem that perhaps many academics have is that I never really saw the impact of my research. So where the impact was like very limited to this echo chamber of academic discussion. So there was very slow progress and in the end I could never really see the research that I did transitioning into actually applications or actual business. So I feel like one of the things that is quite different here, working as a data scientist, 
in marketing, you have this more immediate effect of the work that you do. And you can definitely see how the research that you have done in the past can actually be applied in, in, in everyday business. And for me, I would say this is much more satisfying in the way that I have this kind of immediate reaction and immediate kind of um, evaluation of the things that I do. Whereas in the past, this was obviously much more long-term and much more difficult to see. In terms, if you like asking me, um, what would be, let's say, the big impact that we do? I mean, obviously, we're a small marketing agency, so it's perhaps a bit hard to compare us to some of the big fishes out there. But then I would say we have a very unique approach to how we support our clients because we have this very strong focus on, on analyzing unstructured data. And we basically, the people in the team that I'm working with also come from an academic background. So they are used to kind of working in, in the uh, in research and, and developing a lot of the technologies that we now apply for making use and generating insights out of this unstructured data. So I think we are kind of in a very unique position right now. And that's going to be interesting to see how this develops in the next couple of years. Yeah, no, really happy, uh, really fascinating to hear how the work you're doing on unstructured data is. Um, probably one of the first people I've had on the show speak so much about that, so it's, it's really good to hear. Um, well, that's all the time we have for on the show. Uh, I'm your host Anthony Kelly, you're listening to the AI in Action podcast. Today in the show we have Matthias, who is the head of data at Lumen Group. Matthias, thank you for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. AI in Action is brought to you by Aldus International, covering your business's staffing, consulting and networking needs. Aldus offer an exec search program. Aldus can help you discover how data science and AI can transform your company. With our unrivaled network of C-suite executives and senior AI professionals, we offer retained search services across the US and Europe. Get the Aldus advantage. Become a member of the Aldus community and enjoy some of the following. AI meetups. Once a month, our community gathers to listen to some of the leading experts in the world of data science and AI. Our speakers come from all over the world, including Dublin, Boston and Frankfurt. We also have our AI mentors. Our experts will provide mentoring to Aldus members. And don't forget our AI on Action podcast. Each week we have guests from all over the world talking us through their education, career and more. Become an Aldous member and get the Aldous advantage. For more information and to sign up for our newsletter, log on to www.aldous.com. That's www.aldous.com. Aldous International, empowering through AI.